Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Paul Pacer. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Dave Prentice, Gav Buckland and Paul Wheelock. And yes, we will reflect on Sunday's 232nd Merseyside derby, but hopefully rather than it being like a wake, it'll be more like therapy as we try and <laughs> sift through the wreckage of another defeat, but extol the virtues of a very positive performance from Marco Silva's side. And we will, of course, also look ahead to an opportunity to bounce back straight away when Newcastle are the visitors to Goodison on Wednesday evening. Um, Preno, the dust has settled on Sunday's game. Um, are you any happier? Is your mood improved? Are you coming to terms with it a bit more, dealing with it better than you were uh, on Sunday I, afternoon? I don't think, you know, so happier is ever the phrase you can use, but I could certainly take lots and lots of positives from that. I mean, I'm a, as you all know, a veteran of uh, Anfield derbies and I've seen many, many late defeats. Just before we came in, I mean, my first Anfield derby, David Fairclough did it too, it was in the 88th minute. The Gary McAllister one, I know that wasn't at Anfield, that probably hurt the most, the Ronnie Rosenthal one, yeah, I've seen plenty. Uh, and that whilst it was undoubtedly the latest thing Derby defeat I've ever seen, it was probably one of the most positive Everton performances at Anfield I've seen for a long, long time. I'm trying to cast my mind back to when Everton have been quite so positive at Anfield. Possibly the mid-90s, Joe Royal, the one they won 2-1. You know, certainly none since then that I can think of. Uh, the 2-2 draw in the Dalgleish era, Dalgleish second time around, 2012, you know, was okay, but it certainly wasn't as dominant. I just thought Everton played Liverpool at their own game. And let's bear this in mind, this is a Liverpool team that's unbeaten this season in the Premier League, conceded five goals all season, see themselves as, you know, sort of championship challengers. You know, they're a very, very good side. And Everton matched them for 95 and a half minutes. And it was just a silly mistake that, you know, sort of cost them the game. They had opportunities to win it, um, you know, dominated certain periods of possession during the game. Think back to last season. Would you have taken the 1-1 draw under Allardyce again, having given up 79% of possession and basically you know, stumped the gaff out? Or being progressive, had, what was it, 58, 30, whatever we maths are, I mean, 58% or whatever the remainder is. Uh, <laughs> or was it better than that? Come on, anyway, it was, it was a, a sizable uh, proportion of possession. Created chances, uh, equal number of shots on target until that Divock Origi had in the you know, time I did on. And lots and lots of positives to stand out performing in the game, Andre Gomez. There's an awful lot you can take from it. Um, given the fact that Marco Silva's only been in place five months, there's clearly a plan and a strategy in place that is already starting to bear fruit. So, yeah, all right. You know, so to conclude, you know, the actual denouement was absolutely crushing and horrible. Uh, but everything that went before, it was tremendous and, you know, so really positive. Sorry, that was quite a long introduction, but, you know, <laughs> made, me, made me feel a lot better. I got on my soapbox. What do you say, Gav? I feel great now. We might as well just talk about the Newcastle game. Now. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I can only uh, echo, pardon the pun, Plano's thoughts there. Um, I thought 
it was easily one of the the most positive and progressive performances we've seen by an Everton team at Anfield. Uh, taking into account Liverpool's Liverpool side, which is probably their best side in a generation. Um, we said on Friday, I think the, the agreement from everybody that the, the, the pre-match podcast was actually the important thing about Sunday was the performance ahead of the result. And I, and I still feel that that's the case now. And, uh, and any sort of, you know, shall we say, disappointment to getting beat is more than compensated by the fact that... You, you asked us last week, I think, Phil... Can Everton break into the top six? And I think if you were a, a neutral or an Everton or even a Liverpool fan on, on Sunday and you looked at our performance, you'd say that is a team capable of challenging or perhaps even getting into the top six. And I think that's what that's what I'd take from the game. And there's, no, there's no team, as far as I'm concerned, or as far as sort of, you know, I, I can think of this season, outside of the top six, who have gone to the teams that Everton have gone to and played as well. Because we've been consistently good. Arsenal, we played well, okay, didn't get the result. Old Trafford played well, didn't get the result. Chelsea played well, got a draw. Liverpool played well, should have got a draw. Is there a team, you know, other teams who would consider themselves on a par with Everton? I'm thinking, you know, your Bournemouth, your Watford, your Leicester, who were challenging yeah. for that. Have they, have they done as well consistently? No, no, but you would expect that given that we've got silver and brands at the helm and a bit of cash. Mm. So that's that's you would expect to see that uh, compared to, to the clubs. And, you know, Prenna made a good point there, is we look like a, a club and a team with a plan and a strategy. And I think, you know, and my thoughts at the end of the game on, on Saturday, on sorry, on Sunday, where, um don't know how I on about, and recollect past uh, ignominies, but I think uh, we got beat at Man United 1-0 in the FA Cup quarter-final in 1983, in the 93rd minute. Yeah. yeah, Frank Stapleton scored in a similar type of Evans performance in similar circumstances um, and that was a crushing defeat but there were seven or eight players in that team who then played for us in the FA Cup final with title winners two years later and you could you could see then that they had the makings of a good team and they learned from that experience and hopefully the players that were on the pitch on Sunday will do do likewise I'm not saying we're going to win the title in two years but you can you can always remember those bad defeats when you're playing you know in the future because that'll drive you on to improve your performances and, and that's what we can take from uh, Sunday, I think. Wheeler, what did you like most about about the performance? No fear, you know. Uh, and it's what you said again there, Phil. It's the fact that, you know, when we went to Arsenal earlier in the season, the caveat for me in my mind was Arsenal were a new team. They, they didn't look particularly like the, the rhythm that they've got now, which obviously we've seen on Sunday against Tottenham. But then we followed up at United followed up at Chelsea and then followed up at Liverpool this is this is the way Everton are going to play away in the big teams now and I just thought I think it is a cliche I know you guys said it on Friday's show about this mentality thing about going to Anfield but it was there to a certain extent sometimes cliches are true and I've not seen an Everton team play like that as, as Preno said earlier it, it, probably a generation even I'm trying to think back to the last win there 1999 I don't think it was as assured as it was at times on Sunday um, at the end of the game, my initial thoughts were, you know what, in a weird way, I wouldn't have minded playing like that last season with Allardyce and getting the points because at the end of the day, Derby's not about actually results cause, and that sickening feeling that Everton have had so many times, particularly the late ones. But, you know, reading your guys' reports, taking time to reflect, you've got to look at the bigger picture, haven't you? And I think what we've seen yesterday is it might be 
as Gav was saying, then that kind of short term pain, there's going to be longer term gain there. You know, Everton have gone to Anfield and played like that. Mm. You know, and then any other day, we would have got something, but it wasn't to be. But you know, I'm, I'm beginning to see a lot more positives than I did at probably you know six o'clock last night. And as mad as it might sound, there's already a degree of excitement for the Goodison game. Yeah, why not? Why not? You know, it's it it just felt for the first time that we're going to take Liverpool on toe to toe. You know, there was always that they are because, as you said, on Friday, you know, you, when you talk about that mentality issue, a lot of the times it's just because they're a better football team than Everton have been, and and they are still now. I always thought going into that game that if Liverpool played at their maximum and Everton played at their maximum, Liverpool will probably win because they've got the better team, and it's a team that's been building for a few more years compared to a few months, like Marco Silva. But yesterday showed how close that if if both teams do that, and I don't think Liverpool are at the very best. But it shows how close that Everton have done. And when you're talking six months, it's like remarkable, isn't it, really? You know, because they, Liverpool, you've got to say, they're a good football team. And then it's no surprise, you know, they're two points behind Manchester City. They're unbeaten. But, you know, give a bit of luck, better goalkeeping. It's a, it's a different story, isn't it? Prano, uh, Wheelow mentioned mentality and, 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 and mental sort of issues, if you like. How well do you think John Pickford will cope? with what happens on Sunday. I'm convinced he'll cope very, very well indeed. And that's, that's based on a conversation I had with him uh, two or three months ago. Uh, he was wheeled out uh, for the Sunday papers for I forget which game it was. And um, he was asked about his World Cup experiences and the flack he got uh, for the January goal mm. against Belgium where, you know, allegedly mm. went for it with the wrong hand and, uh, and bounced back immediately and had that great performance against Colombia and, you know, was even better against Sweden, you know, and that had a great World Cup all round. And um, he genuinely came across as a man that does have a very, very strong mental outlook. And he said, you know, he knows he makes mistakes. He knows, he, he, not that he conceded he made a mistake in that instance, you know, said he'd mm. do the same thing again. He says, but, you know, he has made mistakes in his career and he always thinks, OK, you know, I've got to put that right next time. I've got to do something really good next time to make up for that. And whenever he has dropped the occasional error in his career, and, you know, you can count them on the fingers of one hand in you know, his Emerson career so far, he has responded with a very, very good performance. So I think you probably see a goalkeeper rather than one who's riven by self-doubt and, you know, and concerns on Wednesday night against Newcastle. Somebody who's desperate to make an impression and to show Rod that was a one-off. Because uh, I think he's done it before. He's done it playing international football, which is the most pressurised environment imaginable. Uh, so, yeah, it will hurt him. You know, so he'll be you know, sort of cut to the very quick about it. But equally, I think he will, he will bounce back very, very quickly. What, what could be interesting, Gavin, and, and, I, and I've got a feeling about how I think this will go, but I'm interested to know what, what you think. Wednesday evening, the players are out on the pitch. They're in there, loosely in their formation before kickoff, and the names get read out. I think. What do you think the reaction will be? Do you think when Jordan's names get read, do you think Goodison will 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 give him a verbal cuddle, if you like? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's helpful that the next two games are both at home, aren't they? Yes. So it's not as if you've got to go mm. to Manchester City on on Saturday or something. That's the following week, so that will help. Uh, and I think if you reach, reach if, I think if you reach international standard and clearly Jordan is being a strong character's party makeup isn't it you know you, 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 you reach that standard because you've got over your mistakes that you've made in the past and, and quickly pushed on that's why you're an international footballer so I think it's a given that you'll get over it and I think it's in the goalie goalkeeper psyche isn't it that they're always going to drop something at some point Neville Southall did on yeah, yeah. many occasions but you just accept it for what it is uh, so I think I, I don't see any problems and I think it's helpful that the next two home games are home 
against teams where hopefully it won't be <laughs> as, as busy or under as much pressure. Famous last words. Famous <laughs> last words, yeah, yeah. It's also worth pointing out that he came straight out after the game oh, on Sunday yeah. in the yeah. mix zone and faced the media. Well, I went straight over to the fans in the yeah. away end, didn't he? And then, as you say, Preno yeah. did, did, um, did stuff in the mix zone Anfield, didn't he? Which, which says a lot about, about him as a lad. And, um, and I think, you know, is, are these situations as well, Gav, to stay with you on, on, on Jordan? Do you think his upbringing, which has included playing non-league football where you can hear yeah. every single <laughs> yeah. comment crystal clear at these grounds. You know, he's played at Darlington, Alfreton, etc. I think that's part of what was, was what's probably yeah. given him a, a stern kind yeah, of Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think that, that you've got to be self-confident, haven't you? To get over this, you've got to be self-confidence. But that self-confidence actually probably contributed to that mistake on, on Sunday, didn't it? Rather than tip the ball over the bar, which... Most keepers would have done that circumstance. He tried to sort of catch it as a way of like not giving away a corner, and that that's that shows a high degree of self confidence. But that can work against you in terms of making that mistake, but work for you in terms of your you know mental you know sort of comeback from from that. Error. I don't anticipate any problems. I think there'll be plenty of hugs and cuddles for him from the government, <laughs> Goodison crowd there. You know, so I I think that's okay. You've got got they've got other things to on the pitch to to concern us at the moment, you know. You can see Marco Silva is preaching positivity amongst his players. He wants them to take responsibility in situations. It's interesting, but it's not a positivity. It's a different positivity in the way that Roberto would extol it, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, it's interesting in that respect. Well, there's positivity and there's recklessness. Um, <laughs> I, I think this is more like you know taking responsibility. Right. Uh, you could see, I mean, I've, I've never seen him, you know, two centre-halves pulled back onto the touchline at goal kicks all the time, you know, so to try and encourage them to take possession from the goalkeeper mm. and play through Liverpool's notorious you know, so difficult high press. He's like, no, take them on, you know, so try and pass the ball through them. And uh, Mina and Michael Keane did that very, very well. Likewise in midfield, I mean, Gomez naturally plays the ball mm. forwards, but, you know, equally he's encouraging Garner Gay to do that whenever possible. And, um, you know, Skilfi Sigurdsson, who does that naturally anyway, uh, when players, you know, playing in the final third, he wants them to, you know, be positive, take players on, you know, so take the difficult option because that will create openings that will, you know, that will cause, get, create goals for you. And likewise with Jordan Pickford, you know, you, I don't suppose you want the goalkeeper to be, you know, sort of taking too much responsibility on board. You know, he's more than happy to do that, you know, with, with his kicking, which was mixed, let's say, you know, so mm. on, on Sunday. Uh, started off with one thirty-five seconds, which he put straight into touch, but didn't let him bother him. He carried on, you know, spreading the ball around, you know, reasonably well after that. But equally, you know, with his goalkeeper, he will rather than encourage him to tip the ball over and concede a corner in the last minute, he'll probably say to him, "No, you carry on doing what you're doing, try and catch the balls because we'll keep possession and that can create something for us further forward." And in that way lies, you know, sort of a successful football team. I think, you know, the Martinez analogy was probably taking it a step too far. You know, it was unrealistic uh, positivity. Mm -hmm. You know, he used to, you know, Ross Barkley missing a penalty was a positive. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to be realistic in there as well. Do you think, do you think what Silva does and the way he acts and what he says and the way the team plays is actually just instilling um, a belief rather than sort of blind optimism, perhaps that, that yeah. Roberto at times was kind of... Yeah, I think so. You know, it's funny because I think Marco is a slow burner uh, as a manager in terms of affection amongst Evertonians. 
Uh, they've had their fingers burned before with uh, Roberto Martinez, and so they're, they're just sitting back and just say, well, OK, impress us, and you know, and then we'll make our minds up. And he is starting to impress them. I mean, his demeanour at a press conference is, is very different to other Premier League managers. He's always very intense. He's always very focused. Um, you know, he came out yesterday, and again, you could see he was really, really hurt and wasn't happy at all. Yeah, and uh, you know what? You know, lucky, lucky, lucky Liverpool was was the phrase he used, which was the, the you know, the. the I, sa- I, I have to say, when he said it, I was just thinking, this is brilliant. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. he, 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 for me, he struck the balance. Um, Preno in terms of yeah. he had the right degree of I'm hugely proud of my players did everything right but then at the right annoyance level and then just just a little bit of the icing on the cake just yeah. did a little bit of a dig in the ribs to the Reds and I thought you know that he struck that perfectly even if he didn't mean to sort of it wasn't manufactured so to speak it was just natural but I thought he, he struck it really well that's why it does everything he says does come naturally and I think Evertonians are now starting to see what he's trying to, you know, put in place. And he's been here five minutes. Let's get this, you know, mm-hmm. right. Um, and he's already, you know, transformed, you know, the, the squad and the the approach to football matches. I mean, Jurgen Klopp, you could say he was being disingenuous afterwards because maybe he was trying to deflect attention away from his post-match antics. But he was genuinely raving about Everton. And uh, he described an incredible job that uh, Silva's done in just five months. Uh, described Everton as outstanding. And yeah, OK, it's easy to say these things mm. you just want to match 1-0. Yeah. But you get the impression there's a degree of sincerity there. I think he was genuinely quite impressed by you know what Marco Silva has turned around very, very quickly. Do you think we know that the... Top four, five, six. Of after last season, seeing Everton spend a load of money and 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 fall by the wayside quite spectacularly. Do you think they're concerned by Everton now? I would be, given the performance that we've talked about uh, so far at the Emirates, Old Trafford, Stamford Bridge, and now Anfield. Personally, we we talk about Silver and the progress he's made. The the kind of doubts I had earlier in the season, or certainly in the summer, was how he would set us up defensively. And there was the West Ham game at home mm. where we were very, very open, and even the Wolves game at times. There was, and obviously yeah. the the going down to ten men, and and that was a concern. These four away games have proven to me that not only has he got Everton playing a much more attractive brand of football, he's actually a really good organizer as well, isn't he? And you know, at times with Coombe and, and certainly Allardyce, you could never get that balance right mm. at all. It was either, and under Martinez, obviously it went the other way. <laughs> but it looks like with Silva, it's, again, it's still early days, but you can, you can only you know, speak upon what you've seen. He seems to be able to get that balance right between attack and defence. We've not gone to Anfield and been gung-ho and been done 4-0. It's been very, it's, it's, it's been coordinated and I, I think with some of those games, the, the, the downside is we only scored one goal, haven't we? Uh, the penalty at Old Trafford, Sigerson's penalty. I think we would have had a striker, you know, main number nine up there at times. I think it might have been a little bit different, but Silva, as the weeks go by, I'm completely with you, Dave. The more and more he impresses me. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. You'll make mistakes. I mean, like, you know, he is still a very, very young coach. Uh, I mean, the, the, it really stuck out for me on uh, on Sunday when um, Alisson was like charging forward uh, to play that pass to Trent Alexander-Arnold. Richarlison was coming out of the middle to close him down, and you know, looked at his coach and Silva pushed him back. No, 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 stay back mm-hmm. in the middle. And you just wonder what would have happened if Richarlison, who was like a man possessed in the last ten or fifteen minutes, had have come across and closed him down. Maybe the cross wouldn't have come in. Maybe Silva looked back on that and think he could have done things differently. But already this season, he's made changes in matches that have raised eyebrows, but being you know so positive and being successful. Thinking at Leicester when he had the man sent off and he made switches, which you know we weren't immediately sure about, but definitely 
you know, sort of proved, you know, sort of positive and ended up having him winning the game. So now I, I like what I'm seeing from him. It's still very, very early days, but, you know, he's, he's a coach that we can, you know, so certainly be very, very hopeful for. Gav, right then, let's talk about the opposition manager and, and his reaction, his staff's reaction, the substitute's reaction to uh, Origi's goal on Sunday. What's your take on it? Um, was it over the top? Was it acceptable in the in the moment? Um, does he deserve to have punishment from the FA? What's the first of all? I'd say he's got a bit of previous for this, hasn't he, Klopp? I think uh, a little bit, but I mean, I've got bigger things to worry about than <laughs> Sunday than that. To be honest with you, um, so it doesn't really bother me as such. There may be something from from the FA in time, but. You know, if you scored a ninety-six winner, ninety-six minute winner in the derby, mm. Prenner would have been it, jumping off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Box. <laughs> I think it's just, yeah. I, I think if you were Marco, you'd probably say maybe deep down, I didn't like that. But it, you know, um, for the record, at, at the time on Sunday, he he said he didn't see it. Yeah, I, sus- I suspect he turned round and was just trying to work out what they were going to do. Do yeah, the, the last left. minute left. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. I think he's probably that was a very diplomatic answer. Oh, it's yeah, it's, it's yeah. part of this you know, modern of politically correct thinking. Yeah. I mean, he's run onto the pitch to celebrate a last-minute win yeah. in a derby match. So what? It underlines yeah. how much it means to him. And Absolutely. you know, I would hope that Everson would react exactly the same way. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, because we're much older than the other guys in this room. How many iconic managerial celebrations can you think of running onto the pitch? David Pleat went down in mm. history. Yeah. Bob Stoker <laughs> in '73. Yeah. Guardiola did it quite recently. Mourinho, yeah, Ma- Mourinho down yeah. the touchline. So yeah. I, I've yeah. got, I've got a problem. Whether in the opposition dugouts there at the time, mm. you, you have a different view. But overall, you know, if well, put it this way: if we score a 96-minute winner. I call this one a Marco runs on the pitch. You know, yeah. It won't be Marco, it'll, it'll be Duncan. Duncan, yeah, yeah. Or, like, yeah, yeah. or maybe they'll hug each other, you know. But, yeah, it's all a bit, I'm with Prano on this, it's all a bit, you know, politically, yeah, sensitivity is where it doesn't need to be. But, you know, you have to be careful. Occasionally you can cross the line with, with these uh, these incidents. But well, you look at the, look at the Arsenal-Spurs game. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, yeah. Obama Yang running towards the Spurs fans and, you know, basically, you know, so come on, come on. Yeah. You know, that, that was... Beyond the pale, you yeah, do that. that that's that's more, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. that's the thing you should be more concerned with. I haven't really got a problem, um, but I thought so the other thing I'd say about yeah, Paul, you spoke there about the last four away games, you know, at the big clubs is is um, I would think we probably had generated what ten good chances in those matches and not 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 you know um, converted any. And, and I know you said there's a sense forward issue, which there is obviously. That's why we're playing with Charleston there. What, what can say? One of the things that concerns me about us, and there's four or things, four or five things at the moment, is is our lack of goals. If it's not Richarlison or Sigurdsson, I mean, we're, we're over a third away of the way into the Premier League season mm-hmm. at the moment, and our third highest scorer has got two goals. So you're looking there, like you know, I think we've got 20 Premier League goals. I think 12 or 13 of them mm-hmm. have come from. Richarlison and Six. That means like seven, seven or eight goals in 14, 15 Premier League games from the rest of the team, which is not 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 good enough mm. for me. And that's you know, and a lot of those chances we're talking about there have not fallen to Richarlison and Six, mm. and they, they've fallen to other players. And that's something we need to address: is to is to spread our goal scoring throughout the team. So is the because, is the answer? Yeah. Sorry to interject, Gav. Is, is the answer is as 
simple as it, as it might seem and might be dumbing it down too much, but is, is the answer in January, if possible, sign a centre-forward? <sighs> That's an incestor model. It depends if one's available. Mm. It's just... You know, we've got. It, it's a may. You know, it's maybe a tactical thing. Probably, is. I mean, I don't think our centre halves have scored this. Michael Keane's got one. Wilcox hasn't scored in the Premier League since what August. Yeah. Bournemouth, you know, and he was. You know, I don't think he was any great shakes yesterday. Our central midfielders don't score. I mean, Gomez had the chance yesterday. Our full backs think James has got one all season mm. but you've got to start mm. spreading the goals out within the team because it's when you go to these big places you only get two or three chances they may not fall to your main players and you've got to, you've got to show that you can convert them and that that's one of the things that needs addressing not just and I don't think buying a centre forward is going to address that I think doing something tactically on the pitch for a start and we had the chance to meet from the set piece yesterday Mina, Mina you know? yeah I'm not sure think, tactically things will you know, change I but, mean better quality players I mean Mina will, will address that he will score goals yeah. he's only played three games and he's had chances at Chelsea mm. alright so he was ruled offside eventually and early on the, uh, on Sunday but Walcott is, mm. is the I know we bring him up on this you know, sort of show a few times but he's had a lot of opportunities in games recently goal scoring opportunities that he hasn't taken yeah. that's not going to change anytime soon Luckman has been a goal scorer when he's played in the Bundesliga and I thought he made an impact when he came on again. Possibly the time is edging to, you know, now to start him in a match and see if he can yeah. add extra goals from the flanks. Yeah, what I said, when I said tactically, what I'm saying here is, is and it was apparent again yesterday, you know what my biggest thing is, is that we need a good quality quality holding midfielder that can get go, Gomez further up the pitch and into positions more like he did yesterday yeah, I rather think... than sitting a bit more deeper. And I think that's really what I'm talking about. Because um, yeah, because yesterday was an example, Gav, of 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 of, of guy who was, I think, producing his, his best performances in Everton in recent weeks. Yesterday was a, sorry, Sunday was another example of where if he was as good at winning the ball, at, at playing with the ball as he is at winning it back, he'd be one of the best midfielders in, in the world, wouldn't he? Well, absolutely, his, his distribution. On Sunday was was, was actually but, pretty but, poor. Which is pre- pretty much, with all due respect to him, pretty much par for the course. You know that's been a criticism I've had of him since for a couple of years. It was it was interesting the Chelsea manager last week talking about Kante, mm. wasn't he? About like the role he should play in the team and that he wants something a bit more than just tackling. And I think if you're playing a two or three man midfielder, I think having one of them who's just basically a ball winner is a bit of a luxury, and it's time you because it means like you, one of the other players got to play a little bit deeper. And I think uh, I've said before is we need a good quality holder midfielder. I mean that's what Chelsea have tried to do, haven't they? Because, and I think that's what we should be trying to do as well. And um, it's just a kind of guy. His tackling stats you can quote them all day long. Is one of the reasons he's so far ahead of other players is there's not many players who perform that role in the Premier League, so it's bound to be higher. And I think we need to get that balance right in the middle three. And I think also the right-hand side is a concern for me, mm. and include Coleman and in Coleman and Walcott. Mm. Um, what's, I'll bring it on to you, Wheeler. What's going on with Coleman in terms of an attacking force? He seems, he seems to have lost a little bit of his mojo going forward. You know, we had that little dip in form early in the season, and people stupidly questioned him, and, and, he, and he's come back. I think defensively, I think he's back to where where he was. Going forward, doesn't quite seem to have the same level of confidence, does he? No, he's not as quite as dynamic. He probably set himself ridiculously high standards with his performance in his comeback game against Leicester than he, wow. uh, you yeah, know, he, and, and, and for wow, he's back and, yeah. and he's better than ever. It's difficult, isn't it? Because it's very hard to criticise Coleman, 
particularly given the injuries had and given the standard he's got at the club and, and he deserves that standing completely. But yeah, I, I think I, I'm, I'm with Gav. Down that right-hand side, that's probably one area concern at the moment. Do I think that Kenny should come in? No, but maybe long, long-term, the way that Silver acted with Dean, I'm not saying that Coleman needs to be replaced now, but maybe, you know... He is 30 now, isn't he? In the next few years, that may be something, a longer-term thing that they're going to have to start looking at. But to me, he still plays. Walcott's more of the issue. I've been loath to drop Walcott, or in my opinion, to mm. drop Walcott in re- recent weeks because what he does have is that ability to get in behind players, which and, and, and the, the chances he's had in recent weeks are a testament to that. The goal against Cardiff was as well. But if he's not doing that, or not taking those chances, I don't know what he's actually bringing to the side at the moment. So do, do you think that um, Brands, Silver, etc. need to be looking at finding somebody to upgrade? Because Walcott and, and Luckman are actually different players, different profiles, as Silver would call it. You know, Luckman is in between the lines. As you say, Walcott is pace, running through the middle, and, and etc. So do you think that the club needs to be looking for somebody who has a bit of everything, or is, is a bit more of a Richarlison mould wide man who could actually more of a forward what, what do you think they need to look at it's, 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 I don't know whether that would be a luxury at the moment bringing another wide player in particularly when I think that I still think Richarlison's long term future may be wide I agree with you do I think that there could be an improvement in, on Walcott yeah but that's maybe we're setting ourselves too high standards for now I don't know I still think the priority it's becoming each passing week is Gomez you know the, the more and more he keeps on playing like he is against these the bigger six clubs away from home the more and more other clubs are going to start looking at him because he's he's not going to be a hidden secret for much longer. <laughs> uh, but it's the centre-forward issue for me. I totally agree with you, Gav. It's, a, it's not just falling to a centre-forward who's missing these chances. It's a team thing. But I, I watch Everton countless times this season. We've put good balls into the box. Even that one that Gomez had the chance yesterday, you know, with his header. So many times I see balls flashed across the box and it's not a centre-forward on the end of them. Mm. I think actually our delivery's been pretty good at times and our creativity's mm. been good. And as you say, if we're going away to these big teams and creating two or three chances, it's not always to the centre-forward. But I just think yesterday that Gomez won. Centre-forward's there, heading it in the box. You know, he's, he's heading it in the net, I should say. I still think that's the priority. So, Preda, just, just on, on Wheelow's point there, what's Jenk Tosin not doing, do you suspect, in training? Or what's he got to do? Because... As Wheelow says, there's opportunities being created, yet Marco clearly doesn't have enough faith or trust in him to be giving him anything other than a bit part. And yeah. He's not even getting that at the minute. I don't, I don't think he fits, you know, to use your word, yeah, the, the profile of the the system that uh, that Marco is using. I mean, he holds the ball up okay, uh, Chenk, and he's uh, he's a tidy finisher, but he wants mobility and he wants pace. He wants, uh, you know, forwards that can get beyond uh, defenders and, you know, interchange, you know, in positions like like Richarlison does so well, which is why he's playing down the middle. And Cenk Tosin doesn't do that. He's, a, if, in inverted commas, an old-fashioned centre-forward. Um, he might get on the end of a few crosses, you know, so every now and then. But, you know, the way that Marco plays football, he wants something an awful lot more. And, you know, that is, you know, a glaring, you know, deficiency in the squad at the moment. Whether that'll be addressed in January, I'm not so sure because that market is notoriously difficult to buy him and you want somebody that's going to be there for four or five years, you know, someone that's going to do a good job, you know, reasonably long term, rather than someone who's there for six months as a short term fix. 
but you know, Tosin, I don't think he's going to get many you know opportunities. I mean, Marcus seems to have made his mind up about a number of players in their squad. We haven't seen Umar Nias sighting the sound of for a long time. Morgan Schneidlin hasn't been seen. Okay, December's going to be tough, you know, because there's so many fixtures coming up so thick and fast. Uh, Tom Davis, another one who's been you know on the bench, but we haven't really seen you know him introduced in games. We may see a little bit more of those characters uh, going forward, but certainly not in your first choice starting eleven going forward. Okay, before we finish today's uh, podcast, we will look ahead to Wednesday night's game with Newcastle United at Goodison. Gav, the ideal opportunity to bounce back? Well, both home games are. We've got to get six points, haven't we, from these two? Um, so, yeah, you can, <laughs> we're just playing. Play. Yeah, Benitez in the opposition dugout <laughs> <laughs> as well. <laughs> you know, well, you know, the, the gift that keeps on giving. You know, but uh, yeah, it, it is. It is. Newcastle were poor. We're the on, on Saturday by all accounts. They might, might have a little bit of bounce back. We've got a really good record. I think it's nine wins in the eleven games against them. We had a good record against West Ham earlier yeah. this season. So yeah, we <laughs> yeah it's true. Yeah, it's true. Um, but yeah, yeah, ideal. Um, and I'd be. Are we going to have the Shell Luckman coming to the, the start eleven conversation? Sounds but like you want to have the conversation. I, no, I, I think, I think, I think you've seen enough over the last few weeks to say that Luckman has to come in, doesn't you, you it? But I said e- that two weeks ago. You would expect that a Benitez team away from home are just going to come and sit in. They're going to park the black and white bus. Probably you would expect. Yeah. So does that not make more of a case for Luckman to play rather than Walcott? Yeah, because Luckman's better than. In enclosed spaces, isn't he? Where there's less less space and you've got more pressure on you. Where Walcott's more in attacking spaces, isn't he? And, and where it's a bit more open. So, yeah. But Marco has had opportunities not taken up, namely against Cardiff. You may have seen enough on Sunday to say there need, need, needs to be a change. Willow, thoughts on 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 Wednesday as as, a, as an opportunity and and secondary uh, an opportunity maybe for Luckman. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, Newcastle certainly won't be as open as they were against West Ham. You know, probably the worst thing that <clears throat> could happen to them was going a goal down, so they had to push out. Maybe it'd be the same, you know, on Wednesday night. I think that could be crucial if we can get an early goal, get them out playing, because I don't think they're, they're much cop, Newcastle, particularly going forward. You know, Benitez is obviously a very good manager. Taxley is very organised. He'll, he'll make it difficult to beat. But if I, I think what you were talking about before with Pickford having that kind of you know, warmness towards him. I think it'll be it'll be extended to all the players. Mm, because it's, it's, it's going to be good yeah, atmosphere I, Wednesday, I, yeah. I, I think so, because you know, social media, I'm not saying it's the barometer of all Evertonians' feelings now, but like most people, probably dared to have a look at Twitter at times last night. And mm. you know what? It was pretty good. It was pretty good considering it happened yeah, cons- again. Considering, yeah, considering yeah, it happened yeah. again. And as we touched on throughout this podcast, I think now this is an Everton team with a plan, you know, Everton will go away. They're not going to change. You know, it doesn't matter who they're playing. This is the way they're going to play. And I think they'll be they'll be proud. The the fans will be proud of the performance on Sunday. And I just think the, the atmosphere will be good. An early goal. Maybe I'm just being too positive, but I could see a, <laughs> I could see a three or four nil win on Wednesday. I really could. But if we get if they get the early goal, because remember last season Newcastle Benitez came, then they stuck in. And it was Walcott got the winner, and it was just yeah. one. Yeah, it was a terrible it's, game. It was a terrible yeah. game, but it's a different team. I, mm. I genuinely believe an early goal could, could be a comfortable victory. I don't know. I mean, the the teams that have come to Goodison in a similar position in recent weeks, Marco's done a great job at breaking down, but it's taken some time. Thinking of Crystal Palace, thinking of Cardiff. Mm. Um, Fulham was another uh, one. Fulham, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, we're a bit fortunate in the end. Yeah, Fulham could have been a couple of goals up by half time. 
Um, Newcastle won't offer that much going forward. I'm choosing my words carefully. I don't want to tempt fate, uh, but I think we may have to be patient. Uh, it just depends on you know the reaction to Sunday. You know how much is being taken out of the squad. Uh, we're quite helped by the fact that Watford's five days later. That gives us a bit of time mm-hmm. to recover from that one. So it's a very important game this on Wednesday. And I think there should be a bit of freshening up of the starting lineup. Not too significantly, just you know, so two or three positions maybe. Uh, and I would certainly include Adamola Luckman in that. Um, but yeah, I think it's it, we might need to be patient, I think, you know, and just, you know, Two nil win, I'd be delighted with now. If you're right, Paul, absolutely buzzing. <laughs> <laughs> so um, then predictions then before we wrap up. Preno, is that your prediction? Two nil blues. Wheelow's nailed his colours to the mask already. Yeah, Five you know, said, yeah six nil. Six, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Happy days. Forget the derby. Any, uh, any takers on uh, six, start, Gav? No, start. I'm not really serious. I'll take flea, by the way. I'll take this. I started the pod by agreeing with Preno and lend the pod by agreeing with Preno and say that. I think 2-0 seems to be about the, the right scoreline, but it'll be tough. Be tough. Excellent. Well, I think we will all take and that. Phil, don't be here. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> your responsibility. Yeah, I, I would have been in agreement. Actually, I'm going to go more towards Wheeler. I, I think it might be a bit of a, a statement victory in terms of scoreline. 3 days. Yeah. Positive yeah, way yeah, to yeah. finish. Yeah. Indeed, and that's what we're there for. We said it'd be therapy rather than <laughs> awake, and so hopefully you've uh, <laughs> felt that today. Thank you very much for uh, joining us and listening to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. You can uh, rate, subscribe, and, and comment through iTunes and, and the Acast app, so please do that. That'll be most welcome. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.